You're listening to MeSearch. I'm Crystal. And my name is Dustin. We're two friends taking space. And making space. For other Filipinos to share their stories and insights. Join us as we talk to folks in the community to discover how they became trailblazers, business leaders, and bosses. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Dustin. Hey, everybody. Um, really nice to have Nino sub for you at our last episode, but um, I'm I'm very happy that you are back in my life. Oh well, I'm I'm glad that I'm back in your life and you're back in mine, and I'm back in everyone's life here at Me Search. Um, yeah, I missed you all. I I just I needed a moment. So uh, yeah, thank you, Nino. Shout out to Nino for stepping in. How did it feel being a listener? Was it weird? <laughs> it's a little weird. It's, it's a little weird. But, it's, you know, it's also cool just to see, like, what, you know, what we've created. And um, <laughs> so one of my guilty pleasures uh, is watching, like, morning television on, like, Channel mm-hmm. 7. So mm-hmm. I like watching um, Good Morning America. And maybe it's not a guilty pleasure. It's just, like, a pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. I like watching... Um, Kelly and Ryan (laughs) Uh and uh, The View and like you know so like when Kelly and Ryan they have to you know they have to get a sub for one of them it's kind of like that that kind of moment I'm like oh you know that it's so funny (laughs) that you say that because I had I had a thought the other day I'm like whoa our show is kind of like Kelly and Ryan or Regis and and Kathy Lee if you remember if anybody remembers them back back in the day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I was like, oh, wow, we're like them, like our little banter, and then we bring somebody on. Yeah, that's us. We're cool. We're so cool. <laughs> this is what we do. But yeah, it was really nice having a sub. Um, I, I can't imagine, like, bantering just by myself. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So um, as we get into this episode, or before we get into this episode, we have a fun question from Ryan D. from Orange County. So the question is... What is your go-to karaoke song? Sample! Oh, damn. Okay, so we used to go karaokeing all of the time. Oh my goodness. Dude, R.I.P. Velvet. <laughs> Man, seriously though, R.I.P. I know! I'm like so sad about that news and I hope that somehow they reopen because that was... That spot was the spot, man. Yeah. So, if anybody is from the Orange County area, Velvet in Santa Ana. downtown Santa Ana on 4th Street was the hip and happening spot. Hip and happening. Um, per- particularly on Tuesdays because they had all-you-can-eat tacos, margaritas for five bucks, and karaoke after 9 p.m. All on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Anyway, so my... Uh, my um. Oh, God. <laughs> time for singing (laughs) (laughs) we're not warmed up oh my god just just to let y'all know it is morning time it's morning time it's morning time (laughs) 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 oh oh my god yeah (laughs) 
yeah, yeah. And this is the part of the episode where people are like, okay, this is annoying. I'm going to listen to something what else. What <laughs> the fuck are they even talking about? <laughs> um, God. Okay, it's taking me forever to answer this stupid question. Not, it, it's not a stupid question. Okay, are we avoiding this? or <laughs> Kind of, kind of. Uh, it's geez. fine, it's fine, it's fine. My, my go-to karaoke song is Waterfalls by TLC. <gasps> I seen a rainbow. I see. I seen a rainbow yesterday. But, but too many, many storms, storms have come and gone, gone. <laughs> leaving a trace of one God-given ray. Oh my God! I love this. Can you use this as a monologue for your next audition? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Sing. Okay. 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 Uh, Little precious has a natural obsession for temptation, but it just can't see. She gives him loving that his body can't handle, but all he can say is, baby, it's good to me. Then one day he takes a glimpse in the mirror and he doesn't recognize his own face. His health is fading and he doesn't know why Three letters took him to his final resting place Don't go chasing waterfalls Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to I know that you're gonna have it You're, you're nothing at all But I think you're moving too fast Moving too fast. Yes. Well. Sample. Sample done. I hate you. I love you. (laughs) Because you still sound great in the freaking morning. Oh, thanks. Thanks, boo. You sounded great, boo. Yes, you better sing. Thanks. What about you? What about you? Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Well, my go-to karaoke song is... At last. Oh, yes. By Etta James. You sing that so good. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can sing that right now. Oh, no press. No press. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, I love I love it when you sing that song. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say that's my go-to song, but I'm not going to sing that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it, sense. It's a really hard song. It's it's a hard song for, for morning time. But uh, so we're going to go alto moments. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go another another song I like to sing on karaoke um, or at karaoke is is uh, I like to go coast you know I like to go coast tunes and so like I love me some Gloria Stefan so I'm a I'm just gonna do a little bit of uh here we are okay. I don't know if I know that one, but maybe I will if you sing okay. it. Okay, well, yeah. let's, just, let's just give it a try. He goes, <clears throat> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I don't know why I got so nervous. Like, literally, my heart is beating so fast. <laughs> it's just it's just me. It's just, just it's you. Just the, just the two of us. <laughs> just the two of us. We can make it. We can make it if we try. try. Just the two. Okay, this is obviously a very challenging question for both of us that we are just... <laughs> You know, distracting. Okay, all right, here we go. Here we are, face to face. We forget 
Time and place Hold me now Don't let go And though it hurts And we both know The time we spend together's gonna fly And everything you do to me Is gonna feel so right Baby, when you're loving me I feel like I could cry Cause there's nothing I can do To keep from loving you Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, I do know that song. Okay. <laughs> you did it so good. Thanks. Good job, I th- good job, good I, m- job. I messed up on that one. Ha! Ha! I tried to do that like new riff that all the kids are doing in uh How does you it? Know? Ha ha. What are the notes? Um the time we spend together is gonna fly and everything you do to me. 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 me, me. me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's fine. let's see yeah. about this. Let's mm-hmm. see about this. It's fine. fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so that's our samples. <laughs> uh, thanks for the fun question. Thanks for the fun question. Um, if you have a question or message that you wanna that you wanna share with us on the show, contact us on our social media at me search podcast. Or email us at contactmesearch at gmail.com or leave us a voice recording, which we love, at anchor.fm slash mesearchpodcast. Yes, do it. Let's hear from you. Do it. All right, Boo. Who do we have on the show today? Our featured guest is Jordan de Guzman, also known as Joseph Randall Dan de Guzman. Yeah. As a dialogue editor for TV and film, he knows a lot about what it takes to be successful behind the scenes. We'll get to learn more about the importance of sound in the entertainment industry, as well as Jordan's journey towards recognizing his value to the industry. Yeah, let's Woo-hoo! get into this episode. Yeah, let's do it. All right, everybody, let's welcome Jordan de Guzman to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Jordan. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Jordan de Guzman, right? <laughs> what do I say? Uh, okay. Can you tell us about your name? I'm so bad at this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's so, it's totally fine. Uh, you want me to jump into it? Just my whole name explanation? Yeah, so I think I was I was caught off guard just to like bring context to the conversation because when you signed in, your name on, on Zoom, which is the platform that we're recording this on, it said Joseph de Guzman. And then all of our communications and all of our notes have been referring to you as Jordan de Guzman. Yep, yep. And for a moment, my heart dropped. I'm like, oh my gosh, have we been referring to this person? It's the wrong person. To the wrong name? <laughs> so if you can kind of clarify why i I apologize. It's, it's my, it's funny. I have to apologize. It's my cross to bear for the rest of my life. It's okay. So <laughs> hi guys. My, my, my name, my legal name is Joseph de Guzman. Okay. Um, my nickname should be Joe, could be Joey, 
could be Seth if you wanted to be creative. Like, no, it's Seth, not Seth, like Seth, right? It, it could be so many different things. But um, my parents, I love them to death. They're going to, they're super creative, right? So my full name is Joseph Randall Dan de Guzman. Dan um, is after my father's name, Danilo. So they literally took Joe from Joseph, R from Randall, and Dan from my father's name. And oh. made it Jordan. So since I was a baby, <laughs> like they would call me Jordan. And even even my sister would call me Jordan like, as a three-year-old in home videos and everything. So it's so crazy because, yeah, like that's my nickname, but it really should just be Joe or Joey. And just growing up, especially in like my professional life, I have to remember to introduce myself as Joseph. And when I hesitate for a second, they're like, are you OK? Like, are you having a stroke? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm totally fine. <laughs> Or they're just like, wait, do you not know your name? And I'm like, do you have time? Do you have like two minutes for a for a story? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes they want to hear it. Sometimes they don't. But that's the story. Yeah, it's just literally a creative nickname. Props to your parents. That's actually like I'm quite impressed that <laughs> they came up with that and that it actually sounds like a name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. It's like you know the typical Filipino thing of combining like the parents' names. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like they didn't quite do that, but like they combined it a little bit with my name and my dad's name. So it's almost just like, you know, it is it is kind of expected. Right. <laughs> Sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's a story. That's a great story. That is a and good story. I'm sorry that I set that up terribly. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. We can fix it in post, as they say. Right. Oh, boy. Okay. Fix it in what, post. A, what a great segue. <laughs> what a great segue, Dustin. <laughs> Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, generally speaking, I am uh, a sound engineer, right? But specifically with TV and film, um, mm-hmm. I'm a dialogue editor. So so what is, um, so is it correct to say that a dialogue editor is under the umbrella of sound engineering? Somewhat, yeah. I mean, I think you, you do have to have a basic understanding of sound engineering, but it's it's a very they're very very separate worlds, you know. Okay. Where like for instance, like say a sound engineer, um, is gonna capture right capture all of all of the audio on set. For instance, on like it's say you're a production sound engineer, right? And it, you're the guy that's working on set with the cast and crew, right? And you have you usually have like a boom operator and a production sound mixer, and you're recording all of the all of the characters on set. Correct. So that person is actually responsible for for recording, getting proper levels, um, backing all that stuff up. And then as as an editor, you're taking all those things and organizing them and uh, cutting them up how they should be. You know what I mean? So there's like a small like difference between like the actual engineer and an editor. Right. Uh-huh. So the dialogue, ed- when you say editor, you mean dialogue editor? Yeah. Or even just a sound sound editor in general. Right. So the engineer is the one like actually capturing that sound. Right. And recording it and processing and doing whatever it has to do. Um, and the editors are the ones that are like manipulating that sound. If that makes sense, like in a simple way, it's like capturing it. Um, and then editors are manipulating it. Mixers as well, too, uh, to a certain extent. But editors are the ones that are actually literally cutting it up how it needs to be. So you as the dialogue editor, you are the person who cuts the conversations and puts them together to make it sound cohesive exactly yeah yeah i mean mm-hmm. you know what I, like one of the coolest things i learned too was even cutting cutting backgrounds for a scene right you you could look at this 
and be like, wait, what do you mean cut backgrounds? It's always a joke where we clean everything out of the dialogue track just to put it back in, but put it back in to where we can control it, right? Excuse me. So for instance, like right now, if I'm talking, if I were to cut sound effects or cut backgrounds for this scene, I'd put, I'd start out with a little bit of room tone, right? Like light AC. And most people kind of start, stop there, but no, like you want texture, you want full spectrum, right? So then I would, I would put a little bit of hum from, from my computer because it's there, right? And then I'm like, okay, you live in a residential area. Like, okay, let's do a little, some car buys outside. There's going to be a few car buys outside. So you do that, but you roll off the high end so that it's like, it's actually, it's realistic and it's, you know, it's muffled. You're not going to hear the birds like clearly, right? You're going to hear little bits, maybe a dog barking from, 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 from the distance, you know, like all those different things, like that's all going to be layered. If it was an apartment, if I was in a busy apartment building, then bleed from my neighbors, right? Thinner walls. And you do all that. But what's funny is a lot of times you get that in the dialogue track and then you have to clean it all out just to add it back in. But um, with that detail, there are times where when we're cutting backgrounds, we're like, um, are those birds um, indigenous to where, like, where are you guys shooting? Oh, that bird. Yeah. So they're actually like crows aren't going to be around there. Right. Or, oh, like that season, like there's there's going to be no like larks out at that time. <laughs> or like, are those cicadas? Like, yeah, there aren't cicadas there. Right. Like you have to know <laughs> all those things because, yeah, essentially, like people won't notice when everything's good, but they'll notice when like. So, like something looks out of sync, right? Like their dialogue looks weird when it's bad ADR and you're like, well, that was weird. That like sounded like they just threw that in there or like, why do I hear? you know, a, a beeping from a car when there's like no cars around, right? Where we're supposed to be mm-hmm. on a beach, right? So all that detail matters because it keeps people in the story, right? And you don't like a distraction-free environment. Like you want them enveloped in that world that you're trying to create. Wow. Yeah, wow. Hi, I'm Jason Tannemore, and I'm on the Me Search podcast, and I'm the author of Vampires of Portlandia. It's about Filipino folklore Aswang, and you can find it on tannemore.com. I've had the privilege of getting to know Jordan through my husband, which you consider you like a brother. And I'm, I love, we got to play together once. It was very fun at a little gig. Mm-hmm. What was the gig? So much fun. Yeah, we had it was me, Jordan, and Mike. And so great. It was so fun. I'm like, I get to play with Jordan. No, same, um, same thing with Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so how has being a musician, how has that played into you becoming a dialogue editor? Um, how does that translate for you? It's it it's huge actually. It's funny is um I love that question because you wouldn't really think. I feel like most people wouldn't be like, wait, so like you like you're a musician or you play music and then like you got into dialogue editing. They're like, how how would you have fallen into that? So what's interesting is because I was a musician, that's how I started sound engineering first. Really, it was through uh-huh. music and, and recording music with your husband. Mike Esberto, who let's just, you know, he needs his moment too. I mean, fantastic singer, songwriter, musician. Amazing. So, I know. Be yeah, I mean, heart. that, that really, <laughs> mine, mine too. So, <laughs> mine, uh, mine three. <laughs> CBH. There you go. Yeah. Like, so what's funny is, is when you're doing music, like, you know, 
naturally you'll have different vocal takes, right? You know, you know, like, Hey, let's, mm-hmm. let's do another take. Let's, let's do some harmonies. Let's do some ad libs, whatever. And you, you have to sometimes cut through those takes and, and, and kind of like create the best sounding take, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes and a lot of times, you know, depending on who you're working with, like, yeah, you get like a one take Timberlake situation and you're like, sweet, we're done. Right. Sometimes people like say, ah, oh, you know, and we're always our worst critic. Right. So we're always, ah, oh, you know, like, can you find a better, a better verse? Like, I don't really like that one too much or whatever. And you naturally, it's called, you got to comp it. You got to cut it up and you got to move it around. And what's funny is when I started dialogue editing, I'm like, wow, it's just like a giant comping session. Right. Like, because mm-hmm. I'm comping these vocals, but I'm comping them for like 10 singers or 10 characters in the scene. Or, you know what I mean? I'm just like, wow, I'm listening. But instead of listening to the takes, I'm listening to like, the, the tonality of the mics and then so, and then the takes as well right but you're really just finding finding the best of it so like it, it played a huge role because i was just like wow um this is this i've been doing this for a few years already and what's funny was i had my first chance i wasn't actually trying to jump into dialogue i was actually really really interested in foley um which uh is pretty much like realistic live sound effects for TV and film, right? Mm-hmm. So you have your hard sound effects, like big car crashes, explosions, Foley is all like the natural, the cloth movement, the footsteps, me like touching something, writing something down, right? Performed live, right? While you're watching it, performing in sync. And I was like, man, it's a very, it's a very musical part of sound design and audio post-production. And I was like, I love it, you know? And uh, there was a student, while I was still an intern, there was a student um, project that came in and they got the interns on it. And I think everything was chosen and nobody wanted to do dialogue. And uh, <laughs> what's funny, there's so much like foreshadowing. Even in school, when I went to recording school, when we finally got to the section of post-production, they were just like, man, like, I'm like, hey, dude, like, how, how'd you like it? We're finally doing post. I'd ask a classmate. And he was like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I mean, I came here to do like record music. I mean, like four hours of editing dialogue. It's like a lot. I was just like, Oh, like, ah, I thought it was fine. Like, <laughs> just, it's so funny. Like fast forward. And I'm like working 12 hours, you know, editing dialogue or sometimes even more. And, uh, yeah. Like, so, so when that opportunity happened at my internship, I was, just, I was just like, Oh yeah, I'll do it. And I kind of just, you know, I'm, I'm an intern. I'm hungry. I just threw everything I had at it. And there was a take I didn't like. And I'm like, man, like, let me just do this and ask my boss. And I was like, I found another take. I'm like, Hey, is it, I found another take and, and I edited it and cut it up to make it match sync. Is it okay that I did that? And, uh, or like, yeah, I pulled, I pulled maybe like a, a T from this take because when he or she spoke, she, she, uh, like they didn't pronounce the word as clearly. And it was kind of hard to understand. And maybe it was like, yeah, like you're the best person. And then I was like, I added a, I took a T from this take. Cause he said, yeah, I'm the best person. And it just sounded better. Like my boss was like, yeah, I mean that's totally fine. Like you're doing you're doing things that some of my dialogue editors aren't even doing. Like you're kind of more advanced in that regard. And I was like, "Oh, cool. Like thanks." And I just kind of continued on. So like a lot of those um intuitions and like just things that I took from having a client that was like, "Hey, can you like <laughs> can you like 
lift up my S on this or my T or like, oh, I feel like I didn't pronounce this as well, but like, I, I really love this take because the emotion is there, but I think it's just hard to understand. Like, oh yeah, like let, let's see what I can do, right? Being flexible, right? Serving the client and and just being like, yeah, like, hey, let's look at this take and maybe take this from there and cut it up there. And cut, it's like a Frankenstein edit, but like doing what you have to do to make it work. And that translated to my dialogue editing because it like already helped me have skills that I didn't know I needed. You know what I mean? So super, super big role. And I think, I mean, just being a musician, technically my primary instrument is guitar, but like even before I got my first guitar, my dad bought me drums and we both love playing drums. And just having that foundation of like rhythm and like having to listen to so many different things within that instrument and playing with a band, you have to like know your space. You have to know when or when not to do something or, or, I mean, that it's crazy how it applies to even just studio etiquette intact, right? Like if you really want to go deep, right, (laughs) with just musicianship. But yeah, you learn to work with others. You learn to know when to play, when to speak, when not to, right? You know when to like just how how you hear things, the rhythm of of the editing and the timing and all that stuff. It all it's all applicable to storytelling, really. (laughs) And more specifically with dialogue, it's like, wow, I get to just take that musicality because there's so much musicality in speech as you know as you both know so taking that understanding rhythm knowing how to cut something up for not even just something to sound realistic but even Mm -hmm. for something to sound comedic right knowing comedic timing and understanding those beats everything like it translates like crazy so it's really really cool to have that experience and be able to apply it without even knowing that I would apply it years later I was on uh, the Filipino track, you know, just I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Both of my both of my parents are in healthcare. Uh, my dad's an RN. My mom's a social worker. And my sister's a dental hygienist. And yeah, I was like, my friends claim that like I wanted to be a brain surgeon when they tease me about it. But like, <laughs> I don't remember saying like a neurosurgeon. I, I was just thinking like a doctor. I think surgery maybe. I mean, this is also like growing up, I was 10 years old. They, I have a video. Like my cousin asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, you know, either a doctor or a pro skater. So uh, just to give you some context on that. But yeah, it was just always in, in my like mind. So um, like if you look at my high school yearbook, right, it says pre-med on it, right? So how did how do you make the transition from pre-med to dialogue editor? Like when did that happen? Yeah. Or how did that happen? Well, we're going we're gonna to blame it on Mike again. Because even after high school, like I was learning a lot, but like in college, you know, I was instead of studying from a chemistry test, I was like working on songs for Mike. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think he was working on on his Love Is All EP. And I was like, I think I was even laying down guitar for it. And like everyone would go out to freshman year. Like, hey, man, we're going out this weekend. I'm like, no, it's cool. Like, this is the best time to stay in because everyone's out. Like, the dorm rooms are quiet. (laughs) So I could record. (laughs) So I'd stay in. I had my little keyboard and my guitar. And I'm like, I was, I remember like just working on stuff for him, you know? And then when I should be studying again, me and like one of my really good friends, we would go and record like, high school musical covers at like, we'd go into like the music department and go to the piano rooms and I'd bring my laptop and my little interface and we'd record like 
Aladdin songs, Disney songs. We'd like record High School Musical covers. Yeah, just like all that stuff. It was so much fun because it was like stressful, like trying to do pre-med, right? Like mm-hmm, just especially mm-hmm. if like, you're trying so hard and chemistry is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, why don't you just, do you want to just go sing? And like we'd go record all that stuff. And what's funny is I think it was during like I switched it from pre-med to pre-dent. It wasn't that big. <laughs> but like, uh-huh. I was like, hey, like my sister's a hygienist now. Like that'd be cool. Like we could have family practice, right? Like that kind of thing. That was my mindset. And, uh, yeah, it was like, she just could tell, like, I wasn't like happy and wasn't thriving. My sister and I are very, very close, really, really good friends. And, um, yeah, like, I think she told me, she's like, Hey, you know, you love like music so much. And, you know, like, why don't you just like go to recording school? Like, why don't you just give yourself a shot? Like, why don't you just do it? And I remember being, having that moment of like, Whoa, like, she was like, you're not studying. Like you're literally just recording all the time. And, you really love it. Like, why don't you just give it a shot? And I was just like, huh. And she's a huge, she's like one of my biggest fans. I love her to death. And, and she really pushed me to do that. And I, I distinctly remember waking up my parents in the middle of the night <laughs> and telling them, cause it was such a big moment. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Like, I don't know. I don't know if this is right for me. And I think I want to give it a shot. And they were very, very, very supportive, you know, for Filipino parents. I'm so grateful. Even if they don't like understand fully, you know, like they, they support it fully. So, yeah, I mean, that same year, I feel like I just kind of like I started looking into schools and then found at that time, like now it's like a two year program with an AS. At the time, it was a nine month like accelerated certificate program. (laughs) So I went to the Los Angeles Recording School, which is like a division of the L.A. Film School. And I was debating between going there full sail university in in Florida. Um, But like I just I just decided I was, you know, what I want to be working in L.A. like L.A. is where I probably should go to school, <laughs> you know, I mean, why not? And it was such a quick course and yeah. And I, and I did that. And what's funny is I went there more for just audio engineering period. When I took a tour of the school, I saw like the post-production facilities in the school and like found out, like, I always loved music. And like, when I watched the film, like appreciated how it sounded, like the score and everything. But at that time I didn't really understand that. Oh yeah. Like dinosaurs, we're like, we're not like, we weren't around to record dinosaurs for Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, wait, so someone had to design that sound, right? I'm like, oh, wait, so, so you had to record like a, a lion roaring and then a train also, and then layer that with like some low end rumble from an explosion. And like, oh, you had to like ma- manufacture that sound out of nothing. And I'm like, what? And it was such a cool moment where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, that's so I didn't realize there was that much detail into that. You know, it was, I mean, the furthest it got was like, oh, cool, maybe I can like record and engineer an orchestra. Right. And like for the score and like, oh, that's so cool. And that's amazing. That's all, all those mics and all those, you know, like all those different things and mixing all that. That'd be cool. But the actual other side of audio post-production where I'm like, wait, what? There's that much detail into like one scene with like you're, you're really creating the backgrounds. Every single sound you hear is created or replaced or recorded. You know what I mean? So it was just like, wow, it totally opened my eyes. And when I started school, that's what I wanted my focus to be. Fast forward to, uh, yeah, transitioning to dialogue. I mean, I think it's pretty important to mention, like I was wrapping up school and uh, I got in a really bad car accident. Like I was driving to my internship, um, but they're not around anymore, but it was it was really, really, really cool um, studios my very first internship it's called gray martin studios and uh they're in the same 
business plaza. It was in on 3000 Olympic Boulevard in Santa Monica. The same business plaza as Tadeo, which was one of the other biggest post-production suites, right? Like they mix Transformers and all that stuff. Um, Dick Clark Productions, the National Recording Academy offices in that same in that same like area. Like it was crazy. It was a really, really cool, cool spot. And uh I was I was wrapping up school and wrapping up my internship. And it was the kind of thing where we were on, we were on like, I think Christmas break or something like that. We were on vacation. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was off school, but I had to go still intern. So I was driving back with a buddy of mine. Um, like I was waiting out traffic, right? Because I was coming from Loma Linda. And yeah, and I got, it was a hit and run. I got hit, like sideswiped. My car spun around and flipped over like off the freeway. And I was like trapped in my car for a little bit until like this good Samaritan came and like literally like help me and my friend out of my car. Like, cause the car was upside down. Like the door was like jammed shut. I was like contemplating, like squeezing through like the glass and just cutting myself. Cause oh you know, you're so disoriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had like concussions before, but like this time, like I landed on my head upside down and like, I knew like I needed a CT scan and it was just, I know that like, concussions get worse when you get them. And yeah, so that like derailed my progress, like hardcore. So I, it's, it's worth mentioning because it plays into so much with this industry with and this field of work where like motivation determination is so hard and especially after going through a traumatic experience like that like it's so it was really really hard because i it took me about like a year or two to heal up honestly because when you damage your brain i mean it affects so many things right so like you you know like my eyes were sensitive to brightness my ears were sensitive to noise so it's like okay if i'm recording and like wanting to do poster it's like how am I gonna do I could I couldn't work at all um and like what's funny is like music got me through that too which is funny like out of all things where I had to kind of take a step back from my career and just go to back to things I loved and just playing guitar like quietly and softly like that muscle memory was like what got me through a lot of that because yeah it was tough because people don't see that kind of pain either right like they see Uh if I got in a car accident they saw that I broke my arms and my legs like oh man like so sorry like but when they see that you're walking and fine but you're like sensitive when they yell or they drop something or whatever right like they just think you're being dramatic so it's hard when you can't see see the pain but yeah it was a lot of yeah it was a lot of healing and a lot of um trying to get back out there and it was really hard to when you lose a lot of that momentum right that's so key in this industry and like just building off of that and and meeting people but like when you have to stop and halt to heal your body it's like it's kind of hard to get out there and i love my friends to death super supportive they actually like drove me out to la like when i was still kind of scared of driving because it's like you don't want to get on the freeway again after you know like something like that and they were just like you're never going to get better unless you just try and like kind of like encourage me but also like really kind of forced me to like fix up my resume and drive out there and like drop it off at a few comp you know companies and that gave me that that motivation again to to keep reaching out like nothing happened from that day but that was like the catalyst to get like hey you know like i think i'm ready now like even when i didn't feel like i was and i was too scared and, and uh yeah i started doing that and then i got another internship and then from there yeah i just kind of continued on i've been there for about six years now and uh yeah and then continuing f- with freelance and stuff but with that company um working for them doing contracted work yeah, but I started off into that was like when I finally got back into it as an intern there. And then my story about, you know, like when they had the intern project, it was at that mm-hmm. studio. 
is at, at private Island. So, um, yeah. And that's how I kind of like got into dialogue from there where they're like, wow, like I was an intern for about three months and then I worked on that project and then I was hired after that project to work as a dialogue editor. What an amazing story. Yeah. Like what the heck? (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad that you made it through that moment and that you're sitting with us today. Appreciate that. Yeah, me too. Super grateful. Yeah. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And can you tell me why you're you're so fantastic right now? Well, it's because I've been listening to this really cool podcast. It's called Me Search. Uh, Me Search? Mmm, tell me more. Um, you know, we've, well, (laughs) (laughs) not much to tell you since you've been there, but... (laughs) You're listening to Me Search, a podcast featuring fill-in perspectives. Let us know what you think. Rate us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Catch new episodes on the first and third Wednesday each month. Well, I'll have to catch it, meaning I'll listen to our own episodes. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about maybe how being Filipino might have influenced the moment that you made the decision to jump from pre-med to that decision of going to recording school? Um, no, I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely a big part of that decision because of the expectation that comes with being Filipino, right? Um, your parents work so hard to, to give you the opportunities here. And when you're, when you're (laughs) starting a journey that is still difficult right now, you know, uh, after all the time I've been in it, but like, that's, that doesn't have that kind of job security and consistency that they want you to have rightfully. So as parents, right. Wanting you to be safe and secure and them working their butts off to give you those opportunities. It's scary, you know, and, and even if they're supportive, there's still going to be that pressure on you of like, Oh man, like my friend is done with nursing school at 22 and he bought his parents a car to say, thank you. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, am I not a good son? Because I, I haven't done that yet. You know, right? Like you have those things. And and then it's also your environment, not, not only just being Filipino, but in this Loma Linda is a very small, very medically driven community, right? So, I mean, even going to like the local gym, seeing friends from high school that are like all working in healthcare and asking what you're doing. Hey, like, so what's going on? Like, are you, and it's always generalize the do you still doing music you know <laughs> and then you, you have mm-hmm. to go through that explanation or they're like oh or, or if they don't even if they're not even aware enough to know that you are doing something in that field they're just like hey like so what are you are you in a uh, nursing like straight with the filipino stereotype I'm like, no like oh you're doing pre-med like no like they go down the dent nope physical therapy nope like you really eat, and sometimes you have to stop them and be like i'm actually not um in healthcare at all and <laughs> you have to explain and and be patient but it definitely it, it it gets exhausting gets a little draining having to deal with that stuff and, and just having those uh, feeling that pressure because I mean, where else in the world do you have people just like, just knowing what they want. And I mean, it's not 
sounds uneducated, but like, I'm just saying my own truth of growing up in Loma Linda. I mean, like here you have people that know what they want to do since they were kids and they're done in their early twenties. You know what I mean? And I had to learn and I had to meet people outside of this bubble to tell me that, Hey, it's okay. Like you're not a failure at 24 cause you're still figuring it out, <laughs> you know? And it's funny. I, it's like a lot of my non Filipino or non-Asian parents had to be like, when I'm like, Oh yeah, this is what I'm doing. They'd always be like, Oh, what? That's really cool. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still trying to figure it out. And they're like, you're so young. Like, what are you talking about in the scheme of life? Like, yeah, what do you, what do you mean? Because I was so used to being like, Oh, you're like, what are you doing? Oh, you're not done yet. Oh, you know, like, yeah, it's like weird. Like that, that saying like done, you're not done yet. Or, and I'm like, well, I mean, I never want to be done even on this current journey, right? Like you always want to keep moving forward and, and keep growing and stuff. But yeah, it was always this thing of like, this is your end game. And like, this is what you should, you should be doing and, and all those like values and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was tough just knowing that you have that kind of pressure and that kind of like, yeah, people just kind of expectation, right? Um, and I'm still, and you still deal with it. You just kind of get better at it and you get better at talking to people <laughs> about it and, and you're less defensive and more understanding. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it definitely played a role for sure. Um, even to this day, it plays a role. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I feel, I feel that I, I'm still trying to navigate those same feelings of like, mm -hmm. Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm an arts educator and an actor and they're just like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, um, yeah, if I may, it's, it's interesting when you think about that and, and then like family is like really important to me too. Right. And having my uh -huh. own family and, and being a father someday, hopefully God willing. Right. And you know, they used to ask like, Hey, like, is that more important? Like, you know, the whole thing, like, is it kind of selfish to be doing what you want to do? And like, you know, you could, you could just like do nursing and already have all those things. And I'd have people really close to me asking, like, is it more important to you that you're doing what you want to do? Or like, is kind of having a family, like, is that still the ultimate goal? So it's almost like sacrificing, right? Sacrifice. It's always the word parents use. Uh -huh. It's like sacrificing, doing what you love to have a family. Is, is that going to be fulfilling enough or, right? And my answer to that is always, I, I don't want to sacrifice who I am and like settle for a career that I'm not passionate about um, just to do that. Like I want to, I want to find a partner who, who actually isn't just like going to look at me like a good choice on paper because I have a secure job and, uh -huh. you know, I can provide and I can provide for a family you know, with her and all that stuff. I want them to be like, wow, like I love this person for who he is and how passionate he is about what he's doing. And he might not be where he wants to be, but I know he's, he's driven and he's goal oriented. And, and I love that about him. And I want to, and I, that's who I want to start a family with. And I want to be the kind of father that when I tell my kids not to give up, they believe me because they're like, wow, like, yeah, my dad didn't did like did an unconventional kind of thing with his job and, and he didn't do what a lot of his friends and family were doing it and he didn't give up and like man like I want to be like my dad you know like I want them uh -huh. to I want to be able to tell my kids that I didn't and I and I pursued what I didn't and and teach them uh, and show them perseverance and all that stuff and I don't think that I would be able to do that if I 
switch to any and not even just healthcare, but it was just like a field that I wasn't passionate about. And that was just safer and, and more, you know, secure, like financially and all that stuff. I want them to actually see those character traits I want to instill in them. That's a great response. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I am still single though. So it just, <gasps> it is tough. <laughs> what are you looking for in a partner? Let's get you, let's get you boot up. Yes, let's get you boot absolutely, up. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> What do you, what, what's oh, your ideal man. date? Let's, since we're on this topic, let's, let's go ahead and just, let's make this happen, folks. Yes. Ideal date. Wow. All right. Okay. Let's, if we're going there, we're going there. I mean, like, is this ideal date pretending that we're not in a horrible pandemic? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's say, let's yeah. say it's January, 2022. Sweet. Okay. Wow. This is so cool. I mean, like, yeah, I would, I mean, just. Something, something, um, outdoors for sure. Like, I mean, depending on how comfortable she is, I mean, I would love to like any, anytime it's more than just having dinner or like, even like, I love movies, but I would never want to watch a movie on a first date. Cause it's like, yeah, you can watch it and then talk about it after, but there's so much time spent not talking. Right. And I think if you can talk and if you can do something at the same time, I think it's great. Uh, so if it, whether it's like a we take a class together, uh, maybe something that we're both not like experienced in that we could we could learn. It's like a shared experience because we can learn something together and always mm -hmm. have that kind of connection if it goes well or even if it doesn't, because it's just like positive, fun experience. Um, I love golf. So it, even if like if we mini golf, that's always and it's funny because before I'd be like, ah, it's so typical. No, no, like it's deeper than that. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Eric Lang and, and all you know he does such amazing things for golf but like um he brought up such a good point where golf not even just mini golf but golf in general it's such a great first date because seeing how people handle themselves on the course it it, it shows so much about who what kind of person they are right and golf has so many so many metaphors for life right like it's 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 tough right life is tough you have a really really great shot Right. And you have a great like opportunity and you could like be in a great position for that and still mess it up. Or you could be in a horrible position and still come out of that. Great. Right. And, and with all those things being said, it's like on top of that, you're dealing with the emotions involved on each of those occasions slash shots. Right. So when things don't go your way, how do you handle that? When things do go your way, how do you handle that? How do you carry yourself? Like what's your etiquette? Like, so all that stuff, like being able to do that with somebody and kind of see like, oh, wow, they're kind of a sore loser or, oh, wow, like she's doesn't take it too seriously. And that's really great. Or she doesn't take it seriously enough. And like, what? <laughs> you know, like depending on what kind of person, but it, it just shows so much about that person. So, yeah, I, I, anything that's slightly active, even just like going for a hike and talking like that's always great because your brain, your brain is flowing too, blood flowing. Like there's not an opportunity for a lull because it's like you're just walking with somebody. You got to you got to talk about something. <laughs> So, all right, we're we're gonna make this happen. Yes, I will not say no to that. Yeah, just when when you get <laughs> when you get married to the person that you meet through this podcast, please be sure to extend an invitation to Crystal and myself because I would love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Dustin. Has being Filipino impacted your? career in any way um and if so how i want to say that like it, it like it, it doesn't and it doesn't matter and it's like and it comes down to like 
just how good you are, right? And mm-hmm. it shouldn't have enough. But what's funny too is that I think sometimes there could be like a subconscious aspect of it of like, am I not going to get this job? Like it, if I'm e- e- like equally qualified, but maybe just because of how I look, you know, or mm-hmm. not. And like not even thinking about that or being aware of that. Like, I don't think I really ever did. And, and with everything happening right now, like I've definitely been a lot more aware. And, and there's <laughs> kind of things where you're like, you're like, oh, wow. Like you think back to a moment where you didn't think that ethnicity or race was a factor and it almost like sheds light onto that moment and like, oh, maybe it was, right? Mm-hmm. So um, being more aware of who I am and and my background, it, it almost drives me more in this industry to be able to represent, right? To be able mm-hmm. to be a voice for for us, right? And for people like us and, and to show that we're more than just like the stereotype you see in the media. Yeah. It pushes me to work harder and to make a lasting impression in this industry, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that there's another, you know, Filipino out there who's super into um, creating the landscape of, of uh, you know, film TV. But it's like, I think it's even harder in, um, in your case, because we don't see you. I just want to emphasize how, how integral uh, crew and everyone behind the scenes that you don't see on screen, they make the actors look good. <laughs> you oh, know, thank like, you. Yes. Amen. 100%. Yeah. Finding a way to just see what you're doing in sound and in, in dialogue, I think is so impactful and so important to the community because there's so many things that you can do. There isn't one mold. There isn't one pathway into film or TV or whatever. And um, if there's someone out there who wants to be a little Jordan Huseman, <laughs> you know, you can do it. Yeah, totally. What are some of the challenges you faced while learning to become a dialogue editor? I mean, I'm still like learning so much and I'm still challenged every day, right? Like a new project brings new challenges all the time. So, I mean, I think ultimately like speed is always going to be one if we want to speak on the technical side of it, like just working fast, right? This industry is so fast paced and deadlines are... Mm -hmm deadlines are so intense. So I think just learning how to like allocate time and being and self-employed, right. As an independent contractor, having that discipline, right. Discipline mm-hmm. to like set your own work hours and, and meet your deadlines. Um, I always joke where if I was in a business, I would have somebody or hire somebody or have a friend that was more business minded than I was Uh because I'm just I don't have that bone in my body and like it's more of like the creative side like you deal with that like I'll deal with the creative but it's almost as an independent contractor you're forced to learn more about that right and forced to get better at dealing with budgets and and self-promotion and and just and your your rate and and Uh being honest about your rate and 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 knowing when to like be flexible and when not to and when to put your foot down right so 
that's always that's always going to be tough as <laughs> a contractor just constantly promoting yourself and and me personally just like not liking doing that because it's just like a weird way of like i have so much to learn you know <laughs> i'm like why am i going to mm-hmm. promote myself but it's also like well how are you going to learn if you're not working and you're not doing these things like you have to do what you have to do can you talk about finding your voice in speaking up for yourself and your value monetarily yeah no totally i i think at the end of the day you have to be completely honest with yourself right and and you have to truly truly know and and believe what your worth is right once you know that you have to be able to discern like when like depending on the situation and job or whatever like when you need to like stay firm on that or be flexible uh-huh. right because i think you can't always just be like no this is my worth like i'm not going to do that you it's like you have to consider who you're working with what the opportunity is what you can gain from it and what they can gain from it and, and just balance you have to balance all those variables out right because to just be like this is my rate no like I, i'm not going to do it or yeah i'll only do it for that it just it limits so much possibility right uh-huh. so i think there's a difference between just like oh yeah like this is my rate and i don't mm, like i don't know if i can charge this much or extra it's like i think it's such a bigger thing than that because uh-huh. it's like you know it's like no know your rate and then know when to apply apply that to a situation because especially if you're starting out right um you're not going to be like this is my rate when you're like reaching out to like a mentor or somebody higher up. I mean, that's when you got to know of like, it doesn't matter like what I think I'm worth. Like I want to work with this person or I want to learn from this person. So you better, I'm going to do that for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you have to know when to, to, to withdraw from that idea. Cause it's not, it's not you downplaying your self-worth, but it's also you understanding like, okay, um, I'm not going to miss out on this opportunity just because I'm not getting paid for it. You know what I mean? You have to uh-huh. look at like the value in that situation and they're like, oh, yeah, like it's more valuable for me to to do this work for free because I'm going to learn so much. And imagine missing out on an opportunity because you're just like, well, they didn't pay me my rate, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like being humble enough to know when to not apply that. And also but also having enough belief in yourself to to stand firm on certain things. Right. And I think I think you'll know that as you as you practice these situations in real life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. harmonize nor sing like how crystal and dustin do but we try i'm greg i'm mccoy i'm d and we're Gantad. we're three gay films discussing topics from culture to lgbtq identity politics current events we're just trying to make sense of anything and everything in the world today like did my mom just like an all lives matter post on facebook or how do i tell tita baby stop calling me tabachoy or kinks and heartbreaks so like a typical tuesday for you no no every first and third wednesday awkward all right find us wherever you listen to your podcast what for you though personally has been 
a highlight for you? Um, I would have to say, uh, I think around 2017, um, I got to work on the film Gook by Justin Chan. Um, so for a number of reasons, I mean, like if you guys haven't seen it, um, it's out, it's been out for a while now. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it's, it was about the LA riots in 1992. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of about like the Korean perspective during that, you know, he was, you know, as you know, like a lot of businesses were affected and, and he wanted to tell that story from a very personal space. And I think up, in the, up until that moment, you know, I work on a lot of indie films and and not to discredit or take away from any of the other films I worked on, but specifically with this one, it felt so apparent how important this story was for, for Justin to tell. You know what I mean? Because uh -huh. what's crazy was on top of that, like he actually experienced that. He was, he was a kid during that time and his father was a business owner who was affected by that. So he wanted to tell that story now as an adult um, and what's cool is he even actually casted his own father in that too. So it was such a cool moment. And then on top of that, like, I think it was one of the first films I worked on with like, and just where the entire cast was like people of color, you know, just comprised of like Asians, blacks, Latinos. And, and I'm like, wow, this is like a really cool project to be a part of it. And then on top of that, just like with how relevant it, it, it is with, with everything going on. And, and when this happened in 2017, he was still like, yeah, it's still a problem. Right. And mm -hmm. for him to be that mindful about it and then for everything to happen now, it was like, wow, like it, it's such a it was such a great opportunity to shed light, you know, and I think him mm -hmm. doing that and telling his story from a really honest place, you know, and just a personal space, like to be able to be a part of that. I was like, wow, like it, it, it felt special already when I was working on it. And then I find out that it gets like picked up um by samuel golden films and i'm just like oh my gosh like they get a dope like distribution deal and like the thing is with working on a lot of like indie projects like as an artist you don't get to share as much because sometimes it's like you finish it and it doesn't come out for years right or like they don't have money it just doesn't get picked up or they don't have money for distribution and it's funny because it's like as an artist like i think that's half of it right creating and sharing and it's tough because you don't get to share that often because they're like, oh, what'd you do? What'd you work on? And I'm just like, well, it's not out yet. You know, <laughs> you don't get to do that. But this one, it gets picked up and it gets like wide release. And and then on top of that, it wins at Sundance. It wins uh, Audience Award. So there were just so many cool moments of it. And like the fact that I was able to be a part of that was definitely a highlight. Like, it's really cool. And then like I got I went to one of the premieres and got to talk to Justin about it and he was super grateful for like my help. And it was just, it was just a really, really cool, cool moment. I felt so. Yeah. All right, Jordan. So now knowing all of what, you know, from your experiences in your career, if you were standing in front of your younger self, what would you say? I would tell him that, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough path but a very very rewarding path and that like life is full of ups and downs and i think like you could either have a life that's just steady you know or you can have like highs and lows you know and i think and i think he'll know too just because of just his his background and upbringing that like 
passion's always been a part of, of my life, right? So I think it's like, I love the highs and lows, right? Like, I mean, to give a maybe more specific example, I have a very passionate family, right? My mom is a social worker and um, she taught me about emotional intelligence and cognitive distortions and stuff at a young age and, and encouraged expression and arguments. And ar- just because you're arguing doesn't mean you're fighting, right? It's funny uh-huh. that my dad's very traditional where he's like, why are you like disrespecting me? I'm like, no, but mom told me to encourage me to argue, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so in that vein, it's like, I'd rather ha- be in a family that that fights a lot because we're so passionate, right, about things than like a family that, that doesn't talk at all because they're just like, it, like, but they don't fight, but they just don't communicate, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of thing. So like with this industry, it's like, yeah, you could either just have a really steady, predictable kind of life or you could have like a really, really, really awesome experience and then really, really hard. But it's just like you might not ever reach those peaks if you choose path A. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. I'm, I'd encourage myself to be like, yeah, like I, you know, I, I think just with life in general, you should always try to take that risk or do something different and unpredictable because it's like you're always going to learn from it no matter what whether right or wrong so i'm curious if there's anything that you're working on today that you're excited about anything that you'd like to share well i mean i'm i'm just grateful for work period especially with this pandemic right and kind of everything shutting mm-hmm. down like how are people going to film how are people, how are productions going to work together right and and now that things are starting to happen again it's been great um i just wrapped um, a show, a little web series on um, YouTube. I think it's their final season. It's season three. It's a web series called Gal Pals. And uh, it's really cool. It's um, it's a comedy about LGBT women living in Los Angeles, but it's made by LGBT women as well. So I, I saw on their Instagram, they said something. I'm going to quote, it was like, they're like, made by LGBT women and a couple certified dudes, you know? And like, I'm like, well, <laughs> they haven't met me yet because I, I, I hopped on like, you know, later on in the series. But I like to think like, cool, like I'm a certified dude, you know? Because <laughs> like, obviously like, you know, I, I like in huge support of that community and stuff. So it was, it's cool to work on that. It, it, was, it was a cool series. It's a really, really fun series. And um, I just love too that like it's made by them as well, you know? And like the whole crew is involved with it. And uh so I just wrapped that. Um, my my good friend Bishop um, had me on that project. He's the one that's mixing it. Um, and that comes out, uh, season three comes out the end of August. And right as that's ending, um, season two of a show um, called Pandora on the CW starts up again. And so we were lucky enough to get a second season on that show. And uh, they're actually filming right now, which is really cool. So everything's going through with filming and we should be starting that kind of at the end of August, early September. So yeah. Excited about that. Yes. Exciting. For sure. Are there any opportunities for other creators to get in touch with you if they want, if they have a project on YouTube or um, elsewhere, how, how might one get in touch with you to uh, collaborate? For sure. I mean, I, it's like, I think the easiest answer is just like, on Instagram, just like message me on Instagram. And it's a very, very simple, simple handle. It's just my initials, JRD and sound one word. So just JRD sound. Also hit Jordan up. If you are 
a lovely single lady. Let's not forget. <laughs> Looking forward to that double date later. Okay. Triple so, date. Triple date. <laughs> we'll triple day. There we go. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, all righty. So final question for you, Jordan. What has put a smile on your face lately? Lately? Um, I mean, I love, I mean, like, I know everyone's baking right now. So, like, I mean, baked goods are always going to put a smile on my face. (laughs) Um, You know, so homemade cookies made by the sister, you know, are always going to put a smile on my face. Um, What kind? I mean, like, just just a good chocolate chip is always going to, I'm always going to be stoked. But if there's, like, Mm. peanut butter in there, like, I'm always down, too. Or, Mm. like, um, yes. Or, like, she she does a really good, um, like, she did banana bread. That was really good. I know everybody's doing banana bread, but, you know, I'm biased. Like, I love bananas, so I got to, you know, shout out to Banana Bread. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> but no, Bananas that, for bananas. Always, always going to put a smile on my face. I mean, I, I've lately I've been playing a lot of drums. And since it's not, not like my main thing, it, it's been so much fun. And I, I recently learned um, a song from Hamilton. So, like, obviously <gasps> Hamilton puts a smile on my face because it's Hamilton. But, like, I've been working on one of the songs and like I finally like learned it, so it's like oh, it was just so much. It's just so much fun to play along with it, and uh, I've just been stoked to like kind of record that and like share that with friends who appreciate that stuff. And yeah, Jordan, this has been uh, an amazing conversation, and you certainly put the smile on my face and my face. Wow, way to wrap it up! What a, yeah, what a, so <laughs> that's how you do it. What a pro! <laughs> I just want to say you're an amazing storyteller. Thank you so much for your time. I'm sure. Um, the folks listening are going to be inspired by your career journey. Um, so thank you once again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Thank you guys so much for having me. And thank you for um, providing a platform for stories and and possible inspiration for people. So seriously, guys, much love to both of you guys. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And I'm super grateful to be able to tell my story on here. Thank you. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jordan de Guzman, what a fun dude. Jordan de Guzman, I know. De Guzman. <laughs> so I know you and your husband might go way back with Jordan, and I can tell why you both love him so much. Aww. He's such an easy guy to talk to. He's such a great storyteller. Yeah. Uh, very smart. And um, we need to follow up with him to see if he's still looking to get uh, to get booed up. Um, Absolutely. Do you know if he's still single? He's still looking, y'all. So um, check him out. Holler at him. Holler at us so we can holler at him for you. Literally. literally. He's a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful human. Truly, truly, truly. So um, if you're a wonderful human looking for a wonderful human, here's your moment. Let's get some wonderful humans together. Yes. Yes. Let's do this. Um, So, Boo, what is one thing you took away from this episode? I really appreciated that we got to talk to someone who works behind the scenes of, Mm -hmm. of TV and film. Because as a consumer of TV and film, my focus is usually on being engaged in the storyline. 
So it's it's much more than just the actors and the special effects that I learned about as being mm-hmm. important to the storytelling. It's like the music, it's the sound. There's there's so so many other things that we probably haven't even talked about, right? Um, that go into telling a successful story. So um, Jordan said, if you're doing this job right, no one will notice, and he is so right about that because a lot of us aren't going to pay much attention to the sound unless really there's something way off about it. Right. You know, it's it's really an art what Jordan does and it's I I appreciate the specificity of his work and I definitely have a deeper appreciation of folks behind the scenes and you know, I've I've been able to work with folks like who are, you know, working behind the scenes but just like listening to Jordan's process like deepens my love and appreciation for um these folks even 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 more. Um, he says, all that detail matters because it keeps people in the story. You want them enveloped in that world you're trying to create. And I can tell, and I know that Jordan's ear is so refined. That guy is so detail-oriented and just, like, the way that he works with music and just hearing about how he he goes about his work um, in sound, in TV and film, he just really recognizes how to manufacture sounds that contribute to creating this imaginary world and making it feel so very real. Does he have perfect pitch, by the way? I don't know, Jordan. Uh, If you're listening to your amazing episode, please let us know if you have perfect pitch. Or I might just like, Text you later. <laughs> and also, if you do have perfect pitch, sorry about the mess in the beginning of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like f- folks who work in sound, their ears are very refined. Mm-hmm. And it's a muscle that you're constantly working out. Yeah. So, like, I just, I, I feel like he possibly is somebody who might have perfect pitch because he's also a musician. So it's like right. he's double, doubly working out that ear muscle. Yeah. yeah. Jordan, do you have perfect pitch? Oh, my God. I need to know now. Um, and if you don't, that's totally cool. Yeah, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's fine. No judgment. Have, oh, my God. <laughs> you don't have to have perfect pitch in order to work in the sound industry. No. No, you don't. Not even in music. You don't yeah. have to have perfect pitch. I can attest for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm like, what note am I singing? (laughs) Fix it in post. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, I have a huge respect for what Jordan does. It's definitely a lot of work. And another thing that I think is important to highlight in this interview um, is his approach to mentorship and money. Hmm. Because he talked a little bit about recognizing his worth um, and monetary rate and knowing when to apply that and when to be flexible. I know that I've been in situations where I felt like I've had to do free labor or pull extra weight in order to have time with mentors. Um, In the past, I was really generous with my time. But I think these days, I think these days I've recognized for me that it's more push and pull when it comes to setting professional boundaries and being more selective in the projects that I undertake. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever had experiences like that? Or like how how Jordan learned over time how to assert, assert and apply his monetary value? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, you know, back in the day when I was singing a lot more, putting that rate on my performances was always challenging. And, um, you know, I, I think back then I knew my worth, but I think I didn't 
um, always, I, I bent a little bit too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with, you know, acting and whatnot, I definitely know my worth having my education and whatnot. And just generally speaking, like with the experience and education that I've had, I haven't had to specifically do that. But like when it, when the time comes where I do have to put a price tag on my work and, um, my services, and my art, I know what I'll be asking for. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, all right, but we're at the end of our episode. Oh, it's nice to be back. And it was nice to be back with Jordan's episode. And can we just talk about how I think this definitely was our first episode that we ever recorded because our <laughs> our oh, interview sk- our interview skills were kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, this 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 was yeah, was this our first one? I this think was this definitely was our... the first one or like one of the first ones. Yeah. It was Be- either number one or number two. Yeah, just even like the way that we responded. Yeah. <laughs> like to, <laughs> to things is like, really? Oh, man. So like, Jordan, thanks for uh, thanks for your patience. <laughs> thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for bearing with us for like, you know, being one of our first guests, if not the first. I can't, I really can't remember. We should go back. But Jordan... Thank you. Any final thoughts, Boo? I think the the conversation about um, the money and the monetary value. I th- Jordan was speaking in the context of um, like contract work, being a contract worker. But I think that also applies to knowing your value if you're working for a company or working for somebody else and negotiating your salary. Mm-hmm. So something to think about. I also feel like over time, I've realized, hey, negotiation is is completely normal. I think yes. folks take the first offer if they're if they're out and about interviewing for jobs, um, especially if you feel like you're a beggar, not a chooser, for lack of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. You feel pressure to take the first offer, but I think this episode reminded me, like, hey, try to. Know that you're a little bit more valuable, especially since I think it's commonplace for industries to lowball employees. So uh, ask for a little bit more. The worst thing that they can say is no. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Anyway. Yes. You are valuable. Hell yeah. Whoever needs to hear that you're valuable. And Crystal, you're valuable to me. So I'm glad that you're back. Oh. Um, if ever I need to take a vacation, I'll know that uh, the sub thing works. <laughs> Or I can just banter with myself and see how that goes. (laughs) Maybe we can have Jordan on to be to to be a sub for me. Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun! See, I'm I'm volunteering him for free labor. (laughs) I'm so sorry. This like completely contradicts like what we're just talking about. Um, Anyway, let's end this episode. All right, yay! Make sure to subscribe to Me Search wherever you listen to podcasts. Find new episodes on the first and third Wednesday every month. Check us out at mesearchpodcast.com. And find us on social media at mesearchpodcast. Mesearch is produced and hosted by Dustin Domingo and Crystal Tugatti. Editing by Dustin Domingo. Special thanks to our guest, Jordan DeGuzman. Make sure to follow him and slide into his DMs at JRD Sound. Shoutouts to all our friends and family giving this podcast a shot. We'll catch you all at the next episode. We're going to get to the bottom of things. This is me search, folks. Woo 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 wo